0: Welcome to Your Truth Revealed, a video podcast that explores your hidden physical and mental health potential. I'm Erica Marcoux and I share with you the power of self-knowledge. I interview industry professionals to talk about how you can be your own health expert. You're listening to episode 16, Know Your Mental Health. This is the second part of an interview with Roger Walk. He's a teacher with NAMI one of the largest grassroots organizations for mental health in the United States. We explain what mental health is and how to manage it in times of stress. Roger Walk has been a NAMI volunteer since 2014. He is a retired technology director with a master's degree in history. He teaches a free 10 week course for families, partners and friends of individuals living with mental illness. The course is called Family to Family.
1: Nearly everyone experiences some form of anxiety. Actually, it is a good thing when it prevents you from driving badly or stepping out into traffic or doing things that are self-destructive. What's problem is that when feelings of intense fear and distress become overwhelming,
0: Listen as we dive into mental health and practical ways to manage it for you and your loved ones. Anxiety disorders are among the most common mental health concerns in the United States. And I was surprised to learn that an estimated 40 million adults in the United States, or 18%, have an anxiety disorder. Can you tell me more about anxiety?
1: nearly everyone experiences some form of anxiety Mm -hmm. okay actually it is a good thing when it prevents you from driving badly or stepping out into traffic or doing things that are self-destructive what's problem is that when feelings of intense fear and distress become overwhelming and you really can't talk yourself down from it there's nothing you can do the examples of feeling a racing heartbeat or fear, dizziness, hyperventilation, social phobias, not mm-hmm. wanting to be out around people. There are actually physical responses to anxieties, which people then will start doing things like isolating themselves if they have a social anxiety and right. not participating not even being around family.
0: And real chronic chemical anxiety is different from what you're talking about. Situational anxiety is one thing, but when it becomes debilitating, when the person's not able to think clearly, or maybe eating habits start to change, sleeping patterns, that's where it really is more of a medical condition.
1: Right. A lot of people are are afraid of spiders and bugs. Those are anxiety reactions uh, that are sort of built into us all. It takes a lot of work to overcome those and understanding that most of those insects you know, are just flying through. Right, <laughs>
0: they're not. They're not really there to bother you.
1: An anxiety that is persistent, that you have not been able to learn any techniques for calming yourself down. Maybe you exercise and and lead a healthy lifestyle and do all the things. And you're still anxious, right?
0: Maybe there's no rational explanation for it. There's no external thing that you can point to that's really causing it but that's a way i think to determine whether or not it's just a stressful situation or if it's really an imbalance in your chemical makeup this is true
1: you you think about if you're at night you can't sleep uh, because you lie there worrying about the future That's chronic anxiety. And guess what happens if you don't get sufficient sleep every night? All sorts of other physical conditions. So
0: there's a negative feedback loop that starts because when you're not sleeping well, then your body and your brain are not able to recover properly. And then that anxiety can just persist without some sort of intervention. The solution or the way to treat anxiety or Most mental health issues is through a combination of counseling and medication. Yes. And really what I gathered from graduate school and also working clients is kind of that 50-50. You need need both.
1: That's the starting point, and that's essential, but it's not enough. It really requires lifestyle changes. Right. We are just getting on the edge of understanding how nutrition affects mental health conditions. Poor nutrition, lack of exercise, lack of sleep. There you go. A a lack of self-awareness all compound the situation. We're really talking about not just the medication and not just the counseling, but lifestyle changes that will solve your problem. That's hard to do for people that are not dealing with uh, extreme anxiety, have a hard time changing their lifestyle. Mm Mm-hmm and leading a more healthy lifestyle. But it all goes together, ultimately.
0: Mm -hmm. Karen Reynas, who's the executive director of NAMI Austin, talked about five different myths and the truth about those myths. The first one is that mental health issues are not common.
1: That's statistically not true. The statistics that we do have is that one in five people in the United States Either has a mental health condition or is directly influenced by that, being a family member or someone else, close friend who is affected by that. So basically, twenty percent of the population, sixty million people, that's a uh, lot. are influenced by mental health conditions every day.
0: And one of the reasons that we don't realize this statistic is. We don't talk about it. Is we don't talk right? about
1: it. Um, and people are ashamed. The individuals who may have a mental health condition or their family members are ashamed mm-hmm. or they're fearful about what the reaction might be. There are many people who deal pretty well with mental illness who would never tell anyone at work because they fear the reaction, the right. stigma of having a mental illness. It's a closet illness. We don't want mm-hmm. to bring it out into the light or historically haven't. And that's what NAMI is trying to do is to make it clear that it's there it's okay it's treatable
0: and there's really nothing to fear and fear actually just keeps it in the closet and in the shadows and not dealt with right so that leads to the the second myth that mental health issues are caused by character flaws Mm. or personality weakness
1: no they're not there's sufficient evidence it increases all the time over the last 25 years these are biological illnesses. Mm-hmm. They have something to do with an upset of the biological system, your whole body. Mm-hmm hyperthyroidism or thyroid conditions can lead to depression which turns into chronic depression and anxiety and major depressive disorder which came first the chicken or the egg what which came first the thyroid condition or the mental health condition and there's a we story that yeah. you
0: told me recently about someone who was depressed didn't treat the depression, didn't get a physical to see what was going on, and that she, in fact, had cancer and ended up dying as a result.
1: Well, uh, that's not exactly the way the story went. There is a publication uh, called The Advocate that NAMI publishes, and it was in this most recent one about Mm -hmm. a daughter who told a story about her mother. She did have a diagnosis of chronic and major depressive disorder. Mm When she went to talk to her doctor and reported these other physiological things that were going on, he wrote it off as depression. So it's Ah. almost the flip side. And finally, they discovered that she had lung cancer. And it had not been treated because, again, the label got in the way of the diagnosis. That's why it's so critical to have a complete physical before you make any judgments Mm -hmm. Or conclusions about a mental illness because, for instance, the behaviors associated with traumatic brain injury are the same as PTSD, but they have different sources. And there is interesting PTSD is not the result of traumatic brain injury, but the behaviors can look the same.
0: How do they look the same?
1: The social withdrawal is a major factor. A person might seem like an extrovert but never went out and never did anything, that's, that's kind of a PTSD or a traumatic brain injury. The personality changes mm-hmm. of what you expected uh, the person to act like or what you traditionally had thought they were.
0: And that's where we look at how the support system of all of us yes. really is so important yes. to get that honest feedback from family and friends about how we are behaving or coming across because they may spot something before we We do. Another common mental health myth is that kids don't get mental illness.
1: Well, they do, but it's hard to diagnose. We know that mental illness has a genetic component to it. And we know that it takes some environmental factors Mm -hmm. to cause that to to change, to happen, to manifest itself as a mental illness. That can happen at a pretty young age, but it's extremely difficult to diagnose what that really is so that you get the right treatment and the right uh, medication. But kids do have mental health conditions, and it's often very confusing for teenagers.
0: Yes, and that's typically when it shows up. In fact, lifetime mental illness issues can show up around 14 years old yeah
1: yeah what we have a tendency to do in this cycle is shrug our shoulders and say well that's just a teenager acting out
0: maybe maybe not
1: maybe maybe not okay you, you need to find out you need to do some more discovery mm-hmm. the risk though in that environment is that there has been a tendency for probably 40 years of diagnosing everything that a a child is doing as ADD and prescribing something that is completely inappropriate. It's important to have uh, not just your primary care physician, but a psychiatrist or have a complete psychiatric evaluation done. But it's going to be tenuous when it's a child because our brains aren't even fully functional and formed until we're Mm -hmm. 26 years old. So you're not sure what you're dealing with until that time.
0: Another... Common mental health myth is that people don't get better. Assuming mm. that people think that once you have a diagnosis, that that's kind of it, and there's nothing you can really do.
1: The 1940s movie, which they still keep making, about somebody <laughs> uh, having a mental illness and being put in a psychiatric hospital and uh, never getting out. Well, right. that's that's not true. The medications work. People can be in recovery when we say recovery that doesn't mean the illness isn't there that is it's something that has to be dealt with throughout their life but they go into recovery and go back to work
0: sure and lead normal healthy happy lives they can
1: each of us has to figure out what life we're going to live Mm -hmm. and who we are i don't consider it particularly unique that uh, one person has a set of a physiological condition, be it mental health or anything else, they just have different challenges to figure out what they are and who they are. They need the same help. They need the help from their family and their friends and their social network to become whatever they are going to become.
0: Which is the human experience. It's
1: the human experience. The fact that we have a mental health condition, somebody has to be uh, along the way helping the person with the mental health condition and saying, You can deal with this. And here's the tools. We can show you how.
0: And for anyone who doesn't know what those tools are, they can go to their local NAMI chapter and get those resources. And it's very available now, where maybe it wasn't before. NAMI
1: was formed in 1979, prior to that, when I was a kid, in the 50s and the 60s and the 70s, when I was an adult. You didn't have access to this information. And the mental health professions weren't as sophisticated as they are now.
0: I don't believe that they were.
1: They really didn't have the science to back them up. Even from the psychosocial side of this. Mm -hmm. And the biology, it just wasn't there. It is now. Mm -hmm. So don't get stuck in the past.
0: Oh, clearly. Or bad movies. Right. (laughs) Be present. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. The last mental health myth is that mental health issues are not life-threatening.
1: They can be life-threatening if untreated. An untreated mental health condition, on the average, can cause a person to lose about twenty-five years.
0: Oh, wow! On their
1: lifespan, with treatment, that is shorter. It depends on what you do, how early it's caught, and mm-hmm. what kind of treatment. We talk about the therapies that are available, and NAMI generally supports what's called cognitive behavioral therapy. And when you peel back the cover of that name, it's teaching you how to think about your condition and make plans on how you're going to cope.
0: And mindfulness is a huge part of that. Mindfulness is
1: a huge component of that. In fact, there is a branch of CBT that is mm-hmm. about mindfulness right. training.
0: And what I learned about suicide rates, about 90% of suicides in our community are caused by either untreated, undertreated, or undiagnosed mental health issues. Yes. It is so important for us to pay attention. Right. Pay attention to what's happening with ourselves and our loved ones and well, people within our community.
1: Yeah, The social challenge right now is that well, a high percentages of homeless people have a mental illness. Yes. Okay. That's high not per-
0: being treated or not cared for no. properly. A or- high,
1: high percentage of those are veterans. Uh, a little bit of the challenge is, is the mental health system is not accessible. To the very poor.
0: Because medication costs money.
1: Medication costs money and therapy costs money. Therapy costs money. Yeah. We've got a big social challenge on our hands about how to overcome these things, but at least there's some advocacy done by NAMI at the national and state levels has, has helped a little bit to get funding approved, at least for veterans, if you're in a select group like that. But generically, we don't do a very good job of providing mental health care across the board.
0: There are a few more questions that I have. Are there any big technological discoveries that you find compelling from the last 15 years?
1: I'm not a healthcare professional, just from a common person's approach. Mm -hmm. The development of functional MRIs in the 90s, that's the functional magnetic resonance imaging, allows researchers to actually look at blood flows and oxygen content Mm -hmm. in the brain by stimulating certain activities that you can actually watch where that activity is happening. As a result of that, we now know that certain behaviors have networks of, of submodules of the brain that are activated. We know where they are and we know what they do and if you dig into the literature, you can start finding out What parts of the brain are activated Mm -hmm. by anxiety? What happens when a person becomes anxious? Because we can now have a visualization of it in the brain.
0: Which is so helpful. One of the things that I learned in teaching meditation was there are MRI pictures now of a brain that's not meditating than a brain that's meditating. Mm -hmm. And actually even shows that there's more activity in the brain when someone's meditating. The fact that we have this kind of scientific... Proof or understanding of what's happening in the brain is so extremely important. Well,
1: hopefully it would lead people to believe that they have some control. You can change the way you feel. Sometimes you're going to have to use things that you may not want to. But Mm -hmm. one of the funniest things that comes up a lot in the support group and in class is how many young people who have a mental health condition joyfully use illegal drugs. But will not take a prescribed medication. I,
0: not only with younger people, but adults would rather have six or eight drinks yeah. of alcohol as opposed to actually taking a medication that may treat the actual anxiety at the root cause right. and be way more structured and that the body can actually adapt to in a healthier way.
1: I think there's some so there's some stigma at play there, but there's also a significant misunderstanding of their personal biological condition. There have been several things that have come up over the last 20 years or so. I quit reading so much uh, pure science and got into natural sciences, reading about the brain and what was going on with research trying to figure out my loved ones
0: trying to make sense of your life experience your family of origin all of these things
1: and that's what we all should be doing that investigation is the most important investigation of your life best thing that's happened to me in the last five years since i retired was uh, getting involved in nami and having the free time to just dig into whatever i could or needed to to understand what was going on
0: because an unexamined life is not worth living quote from somebody somebody Another question that I have is, for a person looking for solutions, what recommendations do you have to not become overwhelmed?
1: Don't try to do it by yourself. You've got to be clear about what your goals are.
0: It really takes a team of providers to help you or that individual. It could be a psychiatrist, a counselor. It could be. Um, It could be a support group. Mm -hmm. It could be a class like NAMI. Yeah. There's a lot of ways to build this type of treatment.
1: You're building a community is what you're doing. That's right. It's a treatment network. You've got to be your own best case manager and not forget that your case extends to everybody around you. We're all interconnected. If you try to be isolated, that's the surest sign that you're going to struggle. Just being open mm-hmm. and find resources that you can share with other people is really the the best way to do that
0: and understanding that and finding the solution that there's no silver bullet
1: no there is not there's no one single way of of getting this done my personal experience has been that social workers have probably been the most helpful to me and my family's experience have been the ones that i could get to talk to and find out things about in the most rapid way and
0: that specific situation being That a loved one had a severe mental illness Mm -hmm. and that as a caretaker, it was Mm -hmm. the social workers that provided the most information Mm -hmm. for you. Yep. Another question is that it's common for family and friends to resist the realization that you've come to about your own mental health. And do you have any advice about having those kinds of conversations with family and friends?
1: We actually do a communications section Mm -hmm. in our class. It's about the use of I statements. You know, I grew up in a culture where you never talked about I. Or feelings. I was unimportant. Or feelings. Especially
0: if you're a male.
1: Yes, especially if you're a male. And uh, I statements are important because you want to talk about how I feel and their reaction to this situation. And the use of the you Provokes a lot of reaction. When
0: you're communicating something difficult and you say you, it can be misconstrued as blaming. Yes, it is. And the other person becomes defensive. And it's harder to have that open conversation. What we're talking about is building that openness and that collaboration so that the family member or the friend really understands the mental health condition that that person has. So it
1: would be interesting. I think you could start out by saying, here's what's happening to me. This is what I'm dealing with, and this is how I feel about it. It's conveying
0: your own experience.
1: Conveying your own experience, and then with with a question, I need your help, because I can't do this alone. Come with me to a class. Come with me to a presentation. Just come with me. One of the most encouraging things for me is to see couples and siblings, the whole family, uh, yeah. show up for a class to hear all these topics, so that they could understand what the issues were. Emotional experience of that is is getting over some of the stigma and the fears mm-hmm. that you have about this condition and beginning to treat it as a medical problem that is treatable. The uneasiest condition that I deal with is having one spouse and not the other there. They're on their own and they will say that. you got to get those family members to come to a four hour presentation.
0: And so much of it is the education. It's the is. psychoeducation it about is. what you're actually dealing with. Right. And if you don't have the education, you right. don't know and you right. can't help that right. particular family member or friend. Yeah.
1: I need to know. Mm -hmm. and get the skills, because this is not ever going to end.
0: No, and I think as long as we're human beings, this will not end. This is here. It's been here all along. It was
1: here all along. This is the human condition. The
0: human condition is what it is, and the more that we can understand it, the more that we can hopefully just be happier and more functional.
1: And start leading a life without all the conflict that we have. Exactly. Somebody, I think, said the goal of psychotherapy was for you to enjoy your life.
0: Well, that sounds good to me. <laughs> it's that simple, and that's why <laughs> it's Figure a huge out. part of why we're doing this <laughs> yeah. podcast. Is yeah. just to how, do, how can you be happier and have a yeah. less complicated yeah. life yeah. And, and find answers as opposed to being confused right. or pretending that it does, the problem doesn't exist. Right.
1: It's your whole experience, okay, and accepting that you exist within a social network. Understanding of reciprocity is Mm -hmm. critical.
0: Can you share a little bit more about reciprocity?
1: Reciprocity is the big term. If you do for me, I'll do for you. If I want good things to happen to me, then I should do good things.
0: It's a very simple principle, and it's amazing how so many of us forget this.
1: We complicate it talking to other family members about a loved one with a mental illness or talking with the person who has the mental illness to try to get them to trust you and to be able to help Mm -hmm. you. You may have to negotiate, you know, that uh, you can't act out in this environment like you've been doing before. Then you have responsibilities. I have responsibilities, but I'm not going to accept certain behaviors
0: and that's being assertive and it's also setting clear boundaries and it's
1: about reciprocity that's right. i'll do for you if you'll do for me right. and if you can get to the point where people understand that even in the hard cases it works but i've got to be centered i've got to be unemotional about it i need to use the word no when i say no it has to be as bland as it can be it's just no mm-hmm. and and stand by your principles. And not get angry or anything else about it. You have to be centered. And accepting the situation. And managing your expectations. Because mm-hmm. they're not going to change.
0: Mm-hmm. And really this whole conversation is about empowering your own self. Through your knowledge. loved one. Through knowledge. Through appropriate behavior. Through reciprocity. All of these things. Ultimately the
1: final part. I think the biggest part. Out of all the facts of what we present at NAMI is a, in the end about self-care. We use the analogy of when you get on the airplane and they say, you know, if something should happen and the oxygen mask dropout, out, please put yours on first because you can't help anybody else if you can't breathe. It's just learning to take care of yourself so you can help others and being a role model. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to make changes too. But they're positive changes and for they're you all and for for the better, else. yeah, yes. for
0: everyone involved. Thank you so much for taking the time. You're welcome. To share this information. And I feel strongly that hopefully through this podcast that we can get to more listeners. I know you do so much work with smaller groups of mm-hmm. people. Well, my hope in doing this interview is to help share it with as many people as we can yeah. to get this message out there. Yeah
1: nami.org is the website go there you can find your local uh, affiliate it's the same material is taught in maryland as this is taught in california
0: and it's n-a-m-i.org yeah excellent well thank you so much
1: thank you and good night
0: good night and good luck
1: (laughs) and good luck
0: looking to decrease stress our featured product is Enhanced Stress Relief by Life Extension. It's a dual-action supplement that combines lemon balm and L-theanine. Lemon balm is scientifically proven to help promote relaxation and sleep. L-theanine is an amino acid found in green tea that is a relaxant and helps to inhibit stress. Go to yourtruthreveal.com store and use promo code TRUTH for a 20% discount. Welcome to the bonus segment of my video podcast, Your Truth Revealed. This is where I answer your questions. In these uncertain times, many people are asking, how can they handle this fear? Let me start by saying, the fear that most of you are feeling is real. We are facing the worst pandemic since the Spanish flu of 1918. It infected about a quarter of the world's population at the time. I understand how difficult managing your fear can be. Even when there's not a pandemic, I have to manage my own anxiety. Also, I'm one of those considered at risk. So back in February, I tested positive for mononucleosis, which can weaken the immune system even months after symptoms have passed. And I want to share with you how I'm getting through this healthcare crisis in hopes that you will find empowerment for yourself. One major thing I'm doing is continuing sessions with my counselor online. I'm requesting a 90-day supply of my medications from my psychiatrist. I'm taking supplements that include probiotic, omega-3, magnesium, and CBD that help with relaxation. I'm eating healthy foods and drinking plenty of water. I exercise daily even though it's difficult as I build up my strength. I've continued teaching my yoga class online, of course. This helps me maintain connection with others. It also lessens the feeling of isolation. And I do everything that I can to sleep well. i struggle struggled greatly with sleep in the past and I've learned many routines and supplements to take to sleep peacefully. With all that said, the foundation of my mental and physical health is meditation. Meditation is a way for me to connect with a much deeper part of myself that stays centered and true no matter what life throws my way. And one of my favorite meditation teachers is psychologist Tara Brock. She offers a guide to meditation and consciously embraces fear with compassion. She mentions Zen master Thich Nhat Hanh. He writes... That when the crowd of Vietnamese refugee boats met with storms or pirates, if everyone panicked, all would be lost. But if one person on the boat remained calm and centered, it was enough. It showed the way for everyone to survive. I am now offering a free consultation for therapy sessions online. If you would like to schedule a time with me, simply go to my website, yourtruthreveal.com sessions. Please subscribe and add a rating and review at Your Truth Revealed on Apple iTunes. There are also great resources in the show notes. Make sure that you tune in to episode 17, Know Your Drugs. I interview psychiatrist Brent Turnipseed, who is a ketamine provider.
1: An integrative approach is one in which you say, okay, well, we're going to talk about medicines and treatments that might help, but we need to talk about your diet. Mm Mm-hmm. We need to talk about supplements you take, if you take any at all. We're going to talk about your physical activity or exercise or your yoga or your meditation.
0: I'm Erica Marcoux. Thanks for listening.